So, okay, so my <laughs> guest today is Chris Weber, otherwise known as C-Web of C-Web Sunday School fame, and also the host of Paranormal Skeptic Academy. And once again, I'd like to get a little mushy and thank Chris, because in the early days of The Weekend Out, Chris was one of the first, if not one of the only, fellow uh, atheist or skeptical podcasters to reach out to me and kind of welcome me to the community. And it was you and Dumbass and maybe a couple of other guys, and I uh, really appreciated it. Yeah, I think uh, we'll start We'll start from right here. Yeah, I think that was, geez, that was probably a couple years ago that uh, we we found each other online. Sounds like a, uh, a Match.com a romance success thing. story. Yeah. Atheist singles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I remember uh, uh, mowing the lawn, listening to your podcast, and uh, reaching out to you via Facebook, I think it was, and just uh, lending a hand out there like, hey, you know, you're not alone. And I think we were both. You had about 20 episodes, I think, at that time, and I was just starting off, and I was like, you know, to get my name out there, let me just connect with as many people as possible, you dumbass. Uh, a couple other guys, a couple other podcasters I reached out to, and that's what you got to do, man, in this community. Definitely, and um, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's weird, because I guess no matter what community you're a part of, sometimes there's, there's all different types of personalities you run into. Some people are kind of petty and competitive, and uh, other people are welcoming and supportive. And um, it's been a while since I talked to Dumbass. And uh, for those who think I might be insulting the individual, dumb, Dumbass is actually a very kind and highly intelligent uh, individual. Anything but an actual dumbass. Holy crap. Hey, now. Um, um, you, while you were gone, I was loading uh, Krampus pages on safari to make sure it wasn't me i was was able to to quickly view the various krampus images so uh, there was this listener the last person to leave feedback for me or review on itunes i think their uh handle was speedwalker five or something like that and they were talking talking to me about how sometimes i could be tedious and that i ramble and when i do interviews i tend to pretty much monopolize them and uh, uh-huh. I tried to, I think I got a little defensive and on the air I said, oh, well, you know, I want to do interviews my way, kind of like <laughs> a late night dorm room session where everyone's yeah. free to say as much as they want to. And and that is true, but I think I was a little defensive and she had a point. So I did something I never did before and I actually prepared a list of uh, questions wow. to try to... Uh, keep myself um reined in here okay so let me see okay as i mentioned at the uh top of the show you're of course the host of c-web sunday school but you've recently decided to make a transition to focus to focusing on paranormal skeptic uh, academy and i was going to ask is c-web sunday school officially dead is it just uh the paranormal podcast now the the current iteration of c web sunday school is over uh is it officially done am i done with it uh no uh i needed a break from it i pretty much said all i needed to say with it uh if you know longtime fans of your show listeners of your show will know that it was a a skeptical look towards religion 
Uh, I did a lot of research, uh, scripted episodes, um, a lot of stuff I addressed in the 45 plus episodes I, I put out. And I felt like I've said all I needed to say about uh, religion as far as that goes. And I wanted to move on to something different. I was getting burnt out. And on the side, I was doing the Paranormal Skeptic Academy podcast. I would maybe do one every two, three months, if that. So that's why I didn't have very many episodes to begin with. And I feel that this podcast, the Paranormal Skeptic Academy podcast, can reach a broader audience uh, because uh, being an atheist and, and talking about religion is a very niche category and the market's already flooded with shows about religion and, and atheist content. So I'm, I thought I'd maybe have more more success with a paranormal, criticizing paranormal skeptic, uh, paranormal shows from a skeptical point of view and, and using my critical thinking skills and, and the, the skills I learned during the C-Web Sunday School and focusing it towards the, the paranormal. I think that's a great point, and, and I would probably wager to say that you're correct, that you reach a, uh, a larger demographic. And I think it's something that I think still plagues a lot of us who are non-believers, atheists, hard agnostics, or whatever. There's that um, problem with the word atheist, that it's, it, it's such a loaded term. And I think most non-atheists don't get how atheists themselves use it. That you're not saying you know with 100% certainty that there mm -hmm. isn't a God. It means, yeah, you, you have very strong doubts and you believe that religions are just man-made belief systems. Um, but it doesn't mean that you're arrogant enough to say you know with 100% certainty that there is no higher power. There's that little overlap between agnostic and atheist. And I think often people demonize um, people who go by the label atheist. And a, a lot of people doing the demonizing are probably closer to being what we view as atheists uh, ourselves. You know, people who are kind of somewhere in between agnostic and atheist right. and just have doubts, doubts about the validity of um, man-made religions and their supernatural claims. So I think there's probably a lot of skeptics out there, a lot of people who are skeptical of things like ghost hunting shows and, and uh, hokey New Age stuff, but they don't consider themselves atheists. So I think you're right in that sense that there might be a broader demographic. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to appeal to. I wasn't trying to appeal to you know a specific belief set. You know, I want to get people who believe in ghosts to watch the watch or listen to the podcast and if you're a patreon subscriber watch the podcast and and think like you know maybe these shows are just full of crap and they're putting on a production and maybe let me think about it in a different light or a different angle and and really critically think about the existence of ghosts or how uh, ghost hunting is done quote unquote scientifically and how evidence <laughs> is calculated and all that stuff and going back to the the C-Web Sunday School and religion in general, um, you know, I've I was I was an avid reader of religious, anti-religious, atheist books, uh, podcasts, this, that, and the other, and I just reached a point where I was like, you know, I I'm comfortable in my belief set. Uh, I I know where I stand with my beliefs, and as far as continuing to study it, it's like, what else am I going to learn that I haven't learned already than than what I've already put out in the podcast and what I've read? It's uh, how many times can I question the historical evidence of a Jesus, how many times 
right. you know, can I debunk young earth creationism? It's like, it, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it, it lost its appeal to me. Now I'm wondering, um, if part of what played in your, to your decision to, to make the move, wasn't it all, were you at all bothered by the stress or tension as I think I am sometimes that comes with the kind of, it's almost similar to politics, the our team versus their team um, mentality. You know, as an, a non-believer, you're supposed to be a free thinker, a rational person, uh, an individual. Those are the kind of traits that probably lead most of us to be non-believers in the first place. And it seems like there's this temptation, though, that people fall into to get into that my team versus their team mentality in that maybe you can kind of feel yourself getting drawn into the temptation of, of being more of a hard atheist or being less lenient towards religious people than you would be before you actually considered yourself an atheist and kind of wore that mantle. Uh, did you have any um, issues with that kind of division between theist and atheist and all the headbutting that goes on? Well, I think my experience is, is opposite of that because when I first fully embraced uh, my atheism, I, I was really more anti-theist. Uh, I, I lashed out at religion and, and religious believers, and I, I lashed out at the concept of, of a deity, and I was really aggressive towards it. Uh, and then I went to graduate school for social work, and I interacted with many, many Christians. Uh, social work is a heavenly, heavily Christianized uh, vocation. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed was these people may believe something different than me, but they're still fighting for the same causes as I am. Mm -hmm. We still care about the same social issues, uh, economic issues. They may believe that Jesus Christ is their, is their Lord and Savior, and, he, and he's a real uh, person to them. I don't need to demonize these people. Uh, find the common ground with them and and work on our use our strengths together to affect change in the world as opposed to be in opposition to each other. That's an excellent point, and uh, I think sometimes even I have to kind of rein myself in and kind of try to separate the actual belief system from the people who are. Uh, tempt me to dislike the belief system you, you know because I, I have a love of mythology ancient history world religion things like that there's even a lot of christian symbolism and things that i like right um but then i think sometimes you know when you see right-wing politi politicians right uh, thumping the bible whether it's michelle bachman or rick perry or mike huckabee or whatever and um Trump well, you know, it, it, don't get me wrong, there's, there's definitely religious beliefs that deserve not only ridicule, but criticism as well. Right. And, and when, when religious belief tries to encroach onto uh, the everyday lives of people, politics, government, this, that, and the other, school, science, um, you know, I'm, I'm heavily anti-creationism. Uh, so, so when I see something creep into the fundamentals of our society. So if I see creationism trying to creep, in, creep into our schools, you know, the claws come out, you know, I'm definitely going to go back to my old anti-theist self because that's, that's just bullcrap when it comes down to it. 
I think it was in the last episode, and I know you listened because you mentioned the uh, woodchuck cider, which I'm drinking. <laughs> I am drinking again right now. Um, and I talked a little bit about that kind of right-wing Bible thumping when I mentioned an anecdote I recently learned of concerning the quote-unquote good George Bush, the father, when, <laughs> yeah. when he was running for the presidency back in the uh, late 80s. And um, he said to a reporter that he wasn't even sure that atheists should be considered citizens or patriots. Yeah. And I went off on my rant about... Um, how it shows a lack of knowledge about the founding fathers and, and early American history. And, and they're the, the right are the ones who claim to put the founding fathers on a pedestal and how many of them were products of the Enlightenment. They were closer to being deists than, yep. than uh, anything else. Yeah. And people like Sam Adams and, and uh, not Sam Adams, John Adams and... Thomas Paine had some really harsh words for um, Christianity. And even um, Thomas Jefferson, you know, literally took a razor to the Bible and, and did away with the miracles and, and, and made his own Jefferson Bible. And right. I think maybe that's one thing that um, bothers me about right wing Bible thumping is um, maybe I sense the opportunism and the lack of intellectual honesty. Um, and that's part of what really bothers me. And the fact that they might be promoting literal belief and ignorance, at least in part, maybe they believe in some way too, for uh, opportunistic reasons, which is absolutely disgusting. Well, you also look at just pop culture in general. So I watch a lot of uh, competition reality shows. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite ones to watch is Survivor. And there was one season where uh, it was heavily religious. I mean, like there, like I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but you do competitions against another tribe, right. and and like there was just one group of people that it was almost like clockwork. They would do the competition, they would bust their ass. I mean, they're physical, physical competitions, and as soon as they won, they would all boom get in the group, drop to their knees, and start praying. And I'm thinking, this is superstition on display here, because despite the fact that you and I know it was their physical capabilities and their ability to work as a team to accomplish this goal, God had nothing to do with it. Now, the other team had just as many Christians on, on that team as well, so in their eyes, God favored that team better. So is the team that lost, are they going to say, like, well, we didn't pray hard enough or exactly. God didn't want us? God never, ever gets the blame for anything. If you lose, it's because it's God's will and we don't know his ways. If you win, it's because it's God's will and he wanted you to win. There's no middle ground. And that's where the intellectual dishonesty comes in. And I think that's partly why some of the founding fathers were deists, because we're these are really smart guys, as I said, you know, products of the Enlightenment. They probably saw the nature, you know, the human condition, the nature of the world. And they didn't see an interventionist God, but right. they didn't know what we know about evolution, etc. So th the furthest they could probably go is to say there may be some higher power, but he doesn't seem to intervene very much. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you got to think, too, evolution was, you know, 100 years away. The theory of evolution was 100 years away Yeah. Uh, during during the founding of the United States. So, yeah, in their minds, uh, they're coming out of the Enlightenment 
and they thought, okay, there's no interventionist God, like you said, so there must be something out there. Um, hence, you know, being a deist. Now, we got to make it clear, though, the individual beliefs of our founding fathers, as important as it sounds, it's what they wrote into our government. Mm -hmm. And our government is clearly based on secular values, mm -hmm. just based on the Constitution alone. So to argue, oh, they were Christians, yeah, some of them were Christians, but it didn't make it into the founding document of our country. Separation of church and state. Yeah, it's a, you had to put it in a broad, over, overarching term, yeah. Which is why I'm, uh, you know, for a while I, I was catching kind of flack from listeners because every, uh, you know, this is uh, Bill O'Reilly's annual War on Christmas. Yeah. And I would always, de not defend Bill O'Reilly, but I would admit that I personally found the tactics of kind of militant or fundamentalist, if I can use that word, atheist, to some de degree kind of distasteful. Because um, I think it's one thing if you seek out an atheist podcast, if you go out of your way to go to a university and watch an atheist debate, and it, it, that's one thing. It's another thing to go out in public, and uh, maybe you're a little kid who's been raised to be religious, or you're an old lady who's near the end of her days and gets comfort out of religion and you see big billboards that say there is no God be good for goodness sake. Yeah. And I agree with the sentiment and you could easily, I guess, kind of be petty and turn that around and say, but we have to look at their religious crap all the time, but we're free enough thinkers that we know, even if we have to look at it, our beliefs aren't going to be threatened by it. And I think there's a little part of me that kind of feels some kind of, pathos or empathy for people having um disbelief shoved in their face because i know as someone who was raised roman catholic the kind of right. pain and angst i went through in my own journey from being a, a little kid who was indoctrinated to someone whose reason told them that this doesn't seem any different than any of the dead religions we call mythologies. You know, something's right. not right here. But um, but anyway, so I would sometimes kind of chide like the Freedom From Religion Foundation for that kind of stuff. But I recently kind of got into, uh, was it a Annie Laurie Gaylor? And I believe she's actually married to uh, Dan Barker. Yeah. And I saw this wild interview that goes back to like the 80s when they did an appearance a joint appearance before they were married and knew each other on the on oprah's show before it was oprah and um it was pretty wild so i then i started watching some dan barker debates etc and he's just this nice great guy and yeah. i see eye to eye with him on just about everything um so I do sometimes disagree with them about like the billboards and stuff like that, but I'm very glad that there, there's a group around like that to emphasize um, the separation of church and state and how well there's yeah, their whole gimmick is that they go they fight legal battles when needed. So that whole um, I forgot what that girl's name was who had they they had like the Ten Commandments and a. Uh, in a class in a in a high school gym, and they were they were heavily 
involved in that lawsuit or that uh, taking down of those Ten Commandments. They do it all over the country, and they, they focus mainly on uh, public schools, uh, surprising, surprisingly or not surprisingly, in the South. So they, they do good work. You know, you, you add the billboards, you know, you can have an opinion on this, that, or the other. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's their right to do it. Uh, I may not agree with their tactics all the time, uh, but they really do do good work for not only the, the atheist community, but the secular community as well. It's weird. I, just uh, as you were talking about it, how it's a matter of, you know, opinion and personal taste. It reminded me of PETA. It's kind of the same thing. I'm very pro-animal rights. I'm a hypocritical yeah. animal advocate in the sense that, you know, I wear leather work boots and uh, I still eat meat. I think yeah. I went like half a year without eating pork after seeing hidden um, video footage of the way pigs are treated. Yeah. Um, but uh, sometimes I disagree with PETA's methods when they have um, like uh, a juxtaposition of a pile of Holocaust victims next to a pile of dead pigs. In a way, right. I think there's an argument to be made that we have these intelligent living beings, at least as intelligent as uh, dogs, you know, pigs, and they're being slaughtered en masse and they're animals like we are animals. But it's still in another way, it can be easily construed as being disrespectful and over the top. Yeah. And um, sometimes... Well, especially if you're a Holocaust a Holocaust survivor. <laughs> yeah, or, or the, uh, the grandchild or child of a Holocaust yeah. survivor. Um, and it's another thing where sometimes the over the top methodology can kind of... Uh, work against you okay now i know what I, I really wanted to talk to you about um now i know with me i'm someone doesn't believe in supernatural claims of religion doesn't believe in the paranormal uh doesn't really buy in the cryptozoology with a couple of exceptions mm -hmm. um but i have a real fascination for those things and i i still get a kick out of watching documentaries about like the Loch Ness Monster, a ghost, or things like that. So I'm wondering, uh, maybe kind of like Brian Dunning, do you have like a long-standing fascination or kind of a love affair with the paranormal in a way? Or do you just see it all as nonsense and feel like you have a duty to uh, debunk it, but you don't necessarily have any affection for it? No, I do have an affinity for it. I... You know, my wife and I used to watch those shows, you know, regularly when they came on. Our our favorite, one of our favorites was Paranormal State, which is what kicked off the Paranormal Skeptic Academy podcast. It was a group of college kids from Penn State who would travel to different locations and help individual people. They weren't necessarily looking at haunted places like the Ghost Hunter shows do. Uh, they were actually helping individuals with like you know, homes or they, they were more focused on like demonology and uh, uh, poltergeist and stuff like that. And uh, we, we watched them consistently, uh, that ghost adventurers, ghost hunters. And we'd even jokingly say like, you know, if we ever go by or live in an older home, we're going to have to bring a psychic or a priest to come <laughs> do a reading on it or, or exercise it. So it was something that at one point in time I did uh, believe. Um, I had, you know, and then skepticism hit me real hard. And I just couldn't look at the same, the shows the same way again. And I was kind of annoying to watch the shows with because I would call out all the nonsense that they were doing. Right. So basically we just stopped watching them. And then, you know, 
time passed and I came up with this idea for the podcast because like I, like I said, like you said, I did have an affinity for it and it was something that I found entertaining. I still do find entertaining when I analyze the shows. You know, I find them entertaining, but in different ways now. Uh, I find it entertaining to point out the ridiculousness of it. And I imagine uh, you'll probably agree with this, that, that to some degree, I think just how toxic those type of shows are depends on the format. Like if you're watching uh, a show like, uh, I'm trying to think what the name of the one was on the History Channel, if it was like Monster Quest or something like yeah, that. Yep. If you're watching a show that takes a fair, maybe they're always a little sensational and they always do that thing where they want you to buy into the fact that by the end of the show, they might just drag a plesiosaur out of, you know, a lake or something. Yeah. Um, when you know, if you really think about it, you know the way the, the show's going to end. They're not going to find jack shit. But, uh, yeah, you'd have being... a pretty short uh, show series if the first episode they find what they're looking for. It's like, all right, show's over. Exactly. The first, like, two minutes or something. But they're still fairly objective. And they'll have maybe, like, a, you know, they'll have... a some wackadoodle kind of monster hunter or something for lack of a scientific term. <laughs> and then on the other hand, they'll have uh, like a zoologist from a reputable university telling you what's been found or hasn't been found and why he thinks these things don't exist. So even though it's a little sensational because it's TV, it's still fairly objective and no one's really being hurt. But when you have something like the ghost hunter shows or the psychic medium shows like John Edwards own show or old show or like uh, that New Jersey psychic or whatever yeah. the heck it is, um, then it's as if the network becomes complicit in trying to peddle pseudoscience and um, irrational beliefs and right. in a very kind of biased way yeah and i the the psychic show the long island medium i think is what it's called that's um, when i say new jersey medium yeah yeah same same difference hosted man. by the uh, jersey devil <laughs> yeah but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she uh i saw a promotion for a show that you can enter it and you can win a psychic reading from her i'm like man if i oh. had a chance to win that you know i, I Obviously, I'm an atheist, but I would pray I would win, so I could, so she can come to my house and try to do a reading on me. Because I guarantee you, it wouldn't make it to the air. But you're right. You know, these 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 TV shows, and, and the more I look at them, the more I research them, the more I, I criticize them. You know, they're they're out to put out their point of view. You know, you may say that okay, a well-known biologist from XYZ University comes on Monster Quest for one brief segment, and you look at the <laughs> overall you know ratio of legitimate scientist or wackadoodle, uh, to quote you, uh, <laughs> monster hunters. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely monopolized the time on the show to push you towards their, uh, their point of view. Now, going back to ghost hunting shows, the, the, the most recent one, and they still make these shows like crazy, uh, the most recent one is called Ghost Asylum, and these are a group that's of where they all belong the ghost yeah exactly you know that their gimmick is they just go to uh to abandoned hospitals and asylums because apparently people die there so there's therefore ghosts and their whole gimmick is to capture a la ghostbusters 
the energy of a ghost. <laughs> yeah, like Ghostbusters. I forget what they called it. They had the little traps where. Yeah, they threw the trap out and they stepped on the mm-hmm. thing and it, you know, it sucked the thing in. But they're 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 looking to to catch the energy of a ghost. And in the latest episode of my podcast, uh, I I did their their premiere episode and they used solar panels. This is their logic. Okay, now solar panels use. Uh, uh, photovoltaic, the photovoltaic cells because they, they they capture photons to right. turn photons into energy. Mm-hmm. You know, our biggest source of photons is the sun. They took solar panels into a dark building in the hopes of catching electromagnetic fields, electromagnetic energy into the solar panel Which and to totally take that energy type of technology exactly yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a battery, a rechargeable battery, essentially, to no, capture the energy of a ghost. Because I listened to like three or four episodes back to back today. Was that the same one with the, uh, was it what? Oh, you can hear my chihuahua having a snoring fit. <laughs> was it the uh, Louisiana Wraith Hunters or something? Was uh, Yeah, Tennessee Wraith Chasers, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess that was close enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so they're, so what they did at the end of the episode, right, it's like, well, you know, they, they set up a little redneck uh, ghost trap. I'm not using it as a slur. That's what they called it. They called it the redneck uh, MacGyver. And so they, they captured some kind of energy. Well, the, the device they were using was a chicken wire that when it hit, when it, they had two pieces of chicken wire next to each other. And when they pressed against each other, it would complete the circuit. And then it, and it would uh, send a piece of uh, electricity and it would spark. So they had this, this solar panel strapped to this chicken wire. And then they had this uh, chicken wire hit each other to attract the ghost to the solar panel because ghosts need electricity, according to them. And they would charge this this uh, rechargeable battery. Well, they got the battery to charge somewhat. And they're thinking, oh, it's the ghost. I'm like, no, you idiots. It's when the two pieces of chicken wire hit each other. It sends a little volt of electricity. That's going to charge your battery. Right. Not the damn solar panels in a dark room trying to attract electromagnetic energy. So they take the battery, they put it in a, a, a Faraday cage or a Faraday box, and they start, this is the funniest part, they start asking the battery questions. Oh, Jesus. Like the ghost is actually in the freaking battery. Like, like the, 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 the guy they were searching for was Dr. Meredith. They're like, Doc, and there's the Southern boys, Dr. Meredith, are you there? You know, let, let us know you're there by, you know, changing, doing, uh, changing the temperature in the, in the box or letting off a piece of electricity. And of course they got squat from it. But this the sight of these five redneck southern dudes mm-hmm. with beers talking to a freaking battery trying to get a response from it. That always blows my mind where um, it's so demeaning and it gives me the douche chills <laughs> to watch, once again, for lack of a scientific term. <laughs> when um, you see these guys, like I think, uh, I don't know if it's um, – ghost hunters or whatever who i think like the two guys own like a plumbing company or something you have guys that are probably otherwise skilled and competent they probably have kids and pay mortgages and stuff and they're standing around with might as well be these little you know toys these little gadgets that are either totally bogus or used other than the way they were intended to be used exactly and they're asking non-existent entities questions, and it's like almost like the um, the suspension of critical thinking becomes contagious, and they play off each other, and you kind of got to cringe and look away. 
Well, yeah, it's it is, and it's it's. I say it's over and over again. It's confirmation bias mixed with post hoc rationalization, right? So first of all, in science, you you have a hypothesis, you test it, and then you come up with a theory, and that theory is, explains your hypothesis. Now, first to to even entertain the idea of ghost existing, you have to go back so many steps previously to actually cement the idea of what a ghost is. How do you know it's electromagnetic energy? How do you know it's cold spots? How do you know orbs? All this stuff. You gotta make you gotta set the foundation for that. They just assume that stuff is true because that's what they want to believe. Right. Now, these guys, uh, during their their investigation, they had an, an EMF reader, which is typical uh standard ghost hunting equipment. And what they did. He was asked, one of his partner was asking a question. He said, you know, are, are you here, Mr. Ghost? And the thing would go off in one spot, and then Homeboy would move his hand, right? With the, he's holding the electric, he'd move his hand, it would stop. And then his friend would ask another question, and his hand would go right back to where he got the first hit, right after his partner asked the question. And it would go off again. Like, oh. And it would go back to where it would stop. And then he'd ask another question, and it would go back. And they did this, like, for, like, three questions. I'm like, don't you know you're just getting the response you want. You got a hit on an EMF. You move your hand away. You ask a question. You move your hand back. And to you, you're like, you're not, this is probably all just subconscious that they're doing this. But to me, I'm like, don't you understand what you're doing? You're, you're confirmation bias like, like a mofo right now. Yeah, and I think, um, well, one thing oh, I wanted to quickly throw in, when we were kind of separating, you know, the, the more harmful shows from the the less relatively speaking yeah so i think like the ghost hunter shows the psychic medium shows and i'll add another one to the list of the harmful shows and this doesn't have to do with the paranormal necessarily uh but the subject of aliens the ancient alien shows <laughs> and i remember when those i think those were based on a couple of like documentary specials that became so popular they turned it into a series yeah. and i think the original documentaries were more objective or balanced but as someone who has a love of uh of history i i find that sh th those shows so insulting they are kind of yeah. like a guilty pleasure because you can't believe what you're watching they're so wild yeah but the it's supposed to be the history channel in the completely biased way they're allowed to just run over mainstream history without being checked. If you don't know better, or if you're a young, impressionable person, like I think about how much I learned about history from documentaries growing up. Imagine yep. you're a kid, and that's where you're getting your knowledge of history from a show like that. Yeah, your formative years, and you're seeing ancient aliens. And you, know, you may not buy into it 100%, but the idea is floating around in your head. And the best rebuttal I see to that is just because you don't know how someone did something 10,000 years ago doesn't mean it was aliens. You got to remember people, 10, 000, take the pyramids, right? 10,000 years ago, they built these things over generations. Right. They, did, they built them over generations. We can build a skyscraper in a year. Mm-hmm. And and we we think we take that mentality back to that time, like wow, it takes us a year to build a fifty story building, probably higher than that. They they must have built those pyramids in just the same amount of time. They had to have some extraterrestrial help. Like no, they took generations to build those. People lived and died, born, worked at that thing, died, and then their their grandchildren were working on it. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's called the Giza Necropolis. You know, near the Great Pyramids, we have basically, you know, underground cemeteries or whatever filled with workers with bent and warped spines. You know, where, where these guys come from. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, and it's like if spaceships built that why don't they look like giant apple stores or something why are they built out of limestone or you know uh carved rock or whatever yeah. uh why aren't there like um computers and stuff inside the uh pyramids yeah but um yeah i want to make sure i don't go off, off topic because we're not talking about uh <laughs> ancient aliens but back on the um the subject of uh of the paranormal, I get the feeling when I watch some of those shows that some of the people kind of believe their own nonsense more mm -hmm. than others. My gut reaction to, uh, I remember last time I confused them with Futurama's uh, Zap Brannigan. Yeah. It? But I think his name's Zach Baggins. Or yeah, Zach Baggins. Baggins. Or Baggins. Uh, I think he pronounces it Baggins. Like, uh, like the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit. No, yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the Hobbit's Yeah, no. Uh -huh. so but, not to confuse it with Lord of the Rings. That guy, on the one hand, I don't know if he's crazy like a fox and he's totally showboating and he knows exactly what he's doing or if he's dumb as a stump and he believes all this nonsense. Uh, You're the expert. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually do have some evidence to suggest that he is uh, full of his own you-know-what. So Ghost Adventurers is the show you're talking about, and that was one of my favorites too back in the day when I somewhat believed it. And they had some compelling stuff, some evidence you would call it, on, their, on, their, on, their, on one of their shows. And actually the show is still going on. They just filmed their 10th season, so I was surprised to know that they're still filming the show. Uh, I have Google alerts for paranormal. So every time the word paranormal comes up in a, in a news feed, I get an alert. And there was an article that our, our buddy Zach was selling his Las Vegas home because it's haunted. He said because he brought a human skull home. And then after he brought a human skull home, a demonic entity dragged him out of his bed and threw his girlfriend down the stairs. Jesus. Yeah. I think I so, see where this is going. It has something to do with okay. property value or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, the, the, it, it gets stranger. Well, it just goes to show you the type of person he is, and you can make your own judgment. Mm -hmm. And so, in the in the article, they mentioned some of the things about the house one being this demonic entity. Didn't say if it came with it or not, but he said the article said that he has a uh, a chrome toilet, a toilet made out of chrome. Don't I don't know why not gold, but hey, chrome is shiny. And this is the best part. He has a dungeon that you get to. By a hidden door behind a bookcase. Let's talk about deuce chills, right? Yeah. <laughs> he has a hidden dungeon in his Las Vegas home that he's trying to sell. So going to like, does he believe his hype? He may have. He's probably been doing this so long that he believes in his own hype. Yeah, when you actually far. put like hidden passages and dungeons and stuff, uh, like monster movie stuff in your house. He's probably either a big aficionado or he believes in this stuff. I want to touch on something that we were just talking about. And for those of you listening, we just had a little uh, technical snafu, but we're back. And I was asking Chris or saying to Chris that I almost, if he does, let's say, and that's pure speculation. If he really does believe in all this stuff, like say the, 
demonically possessed skull or whatever it is. I almost feel bad for him because it reminds me of the way superstition can kind of rule your life when you're brought up and say like me with like strict Catholic, a strict Catholic upbringing or something when you feel like the devil is caught, you know, God and the devil yeah. constantly warring over your soul. Can you imagine? It must be like a source of stress. If you really think yeah. that there's a demonic entity in your house, you have to watch out what objects you bring into your house because they might contain harmful entities or something. It's, I'm almost tempted to feel bad for him in a way, but I'm still not totally convinced that he's not just a BS artist. Um, but I should ask you, uh, didn't, uh, is it Ghost Ad Adventurers or Ghost Advent? What is it? Ghost Adventurers. Ghost Adventurers. Did that originally start off, I was surprised to learn, is like a, a, a kind of critically acclaimed um, documentary, like independent film documentary or something? And then it turned into a series, I think. Hey now, yeah, I don't. I actually don't have any applications running except for uh, I have Safari open and uh, Skype and Adobe Illustrator. I doubt Illustrator's doing anything. No, yeah. Um, but you no, know, I was just asking you about whether or not Ghost Adventures was originally, originally no, yeah. started out as a documentary <laughs> film, but. Um, if you're not sure about that or whatever, I mean that's just here, neither here nor there. We don't have yeah, to talk no, about. Yeah, that. yeah no, it it what they did. I haven't seen it, um, but yeah, that's how they they got started out. Maybe one of these days I'll do an episode on it. Um, now we briefly touched on the subject of psychic mediums, like the Long Island medium. And when I was listening to your show today, you mentioned uh, a guy that's always driven me nuts, and that's. Uh, is it John Edwards or John Edward? I forget. Uh, yeah, I think it's John Edward. And uh, I think there's some stories about him. Uh, I don't want to get hit with a lawsuit or anything, but not that he's necessarily going to hear this. But not just using cold reading, as it would seem they all do, but also doing things like screening people, uh, audience members before the show, and trying to kind of harvest information on people so he can later on make it look like he knows more than he should, etc. But have you done any episodes focusing on any of those uh, psychic mediums, or is it all just uh, ghost hunting uh, shows? I do it within the context of the ghost hunting shows. I've had requests to do some of the psychics, and those are a little more tricky because you're just relying on the subjective experience of the person being read and the psychic. They're not really presenting any evidence. So unless you can go and get the detailed history of the person they're doing a reading on, it's kind of hard to do a skeptical show just on, on psychics, psychics alone because of what they present to you. But within the context of ghost hunting shows, um, ghost hunters love to bring in psychics to, right. to, their, to their, their hunts, their investigation. In Paranormal State, they have a pretty regular psychic called Chip. His name is Chip Coffee. Yeah, I think you were talking about him today. Yeah, and he had a, sp a spinoff, uh, Children of the Paranormal, I think is what it's called. Oh, he's kind of like uh, the eff effeminate potato-shaped dude with the yeah. glasses. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Probably see, not a two earrings. Image, no, no, that's that's pretty spot on, uh, actually. <laughs> uh, and so I, I'll use 
the psychic within the context of an episode. And I did one episode where we actually got the behind the scenes dirt from the actual person being uh, investigated and, and their behind the scenes take. Now, was, what was interesting about this particular episode, the person being investigated was actually a believer in the paranormal. And the paranormal state came in to investigate a ghost that was causing the family uh, harm. But the family said there's a friendly ghost and then there's this dark entity. We like the friendly ghost. We talked to I, the ladies like I talk to him all the time. And so when they were leading up to the show, the producers of the show would call the, the person being investigated and they would ask, you know, questions that producers ask, would want detailed information about the house, about the ghost you think it is, previous owners of the house. So they have all this information to see if you're going to be worthy for the television show. And uh, when the psychic came in to do his reading, Chip Coffee came in to do the reading of the house. Uh, you back? So you were talking about um, the person whose house or whatever is being investigated. They happen to be a believer. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. So th this particular uh, person was a believer in the paranormal. And we were talking about psychics. And you know, when when they do these shows, they don't just show up with a camera crew and start start filming. So they get the producers involved. Producers do the research. They ask the people for. Uh, their detailed histories of the property they're at, people who've lived there, who they think the ghost is, you know, the town, the surrounding area. So they have all this very detailed information about the family before they arrive. And when Chip Coffey showed up to do his reading of the house, everything he was saying was what the family gave the producers prior to them filming. Oh, wow. So in the story, yeah, in the storyline sense, yes, Chip Coffey, arrived at the location when they say when they said he did you know or maybe a day before and the host ryan didn't give chip any information but the producers did and the producers even said they're going to give this information to our psychic chip coffee for him to review <laughs> but you obviously you don't that's hear that funny. yeah so you don't hear that during the show so in psychic terms that's that's a hot reading meaning someone's feeding you the information so if you go to a a psychic uh, reading like a, like a show, they'll have someone in the crowd with an earpiece talking to the psychic on stage, feeding them information about the person. That's a hot reading. A cold reading is when they just ask questions and get the responses they want. So when it comes to psychics in these paranormal shows, you know, just take them with a grain of salt because nine times out of ten, I'm saying 99.9% .9 of the time, because I got to leave a little bit of margin of error, they have this information prior to arriving at the site. And, uh, yeah, I forget the name of the uh, person, but there was a televangelist, you might be familiar with this anecdote, that the uh, amazing Randy uh, busted years ago, and uh, he was a faith healer, and he had an airpiece, and somehow uh, James Randy, with some help, uh, managed, to, managed to intercept the... Um, you know, the frequency or tap into the frequency or, or uh, record what was being said. And the guy had an airpiece and he was being fed information collected beforehand about um, the person's ailment, their name, everything else. And he was pretending like it was God uh, feeding yeah. him all the information. And then he'd perform the healing or whatever. And uh, I saw one or two episodes of that Long Island medium. And I have to say is one of those things where I kind of paused and said, what's going on here? Cause I couldn't clearly pick out the cold reading. And I think it's one of those shows that's like heavily edited. So they kind of neatly hide the seams. Hey, 
Yeah, so... I do not, I do not envy you having to edit this together. Uh, I don't mind. I, I have so many ums and ahs uh, as it is that I'm used to doing uh, heavy, heavy editing. Um, so I guess this will be the last question, and I think you may have already partially answered it. But I was going to say, what was the biggest gotcha moment where some of these guys were maybe busted red-handed as charlatans? And what, if any, on the other side, has has there ever been a moment where you, you can't figure out how something happened or you can't clearly debunk something and you're left going kind of, whoa, what, what was that? I don't know if you heard me drop my mic. I don't know if you want to repeat that question. Oh, oh good, because I stumbled like a bitch over my own tongue. I was going to say, um, on one end of the spectrum, was there ever a gotcha moment where these guys got busted? Are you able to say with 100% certainty, wow, man, that person's a charlatan. I just saw it. That was fake. And on the other end, have you ever been watching one of these shows and seen something you couldn't explain that kind of left you scratching your head? Yeah, there's a couple gotcha moments that you don't really see during the show, but you see when you uh, or you read about um, how the show was put together. You even look at it more closely. You don't see it on the show because obviously they're going to edit that stuff out. The, the one where I spoke about earlier with the guy moving the EMF reader away from the spot and back to it was it was a huge one um an episode i'm researching now there's a place called the whispers estate and it's a quote-unquote haunted house in indiana and this house the previous owner um he sold it and when people were going through looking at it they found uh speakers pressed up against uh support beams that would wires would run to like cd players where they would play like you know sounds or vibrations um and they had acoustic stuff set up to where it would push things through like air conditioning vents uh so you can you hear echoes throughout the house and stuff like that so in the research i do i find a lot of like you got to be kidding me you know like these people actually fall for this stuff but obviously you don't see it during the episode now as far as running into like oh you know how do you explain that i had a couple of those where I couldn't explain it because I wasn't there to see how it all went down. And based on what they show me in the video or in the episode, I can only go by that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I recall one episode of Ghost Adventurers where they were in some kind of, I think maybe a prison or some old building. And they were downstairs in the basement and they were asking a ghost to, to do something. And they were looking down this dark room and there was like, uh, bricks laying around like like, like a brick wall fell down mm -hmm. and a brick flew up from the bottom left of the screen to the top right like went for, like complete opposite of what gravity would do right if right. we from bottom up and i remember watching that live you know as a as as, as a believer and i thought holy crap right. you know that there's proof right there i haven't gotten to that episode of ghost adventurers and I got to figure out which one it is so I can do it sooner rather than later. But I remember that distinctly. Like, that was like when I was a believer. It's like, ghosts are real. Cause how can you explain that? Yep. Well, I guess the cynical response would be, they're already in a dark environment. Someone could have chucked it or something, right? Exactly. You don't, you don't know. And, and that's why I'm looking forward to go back and looking at it now 
from a different perspective and ex- try to explain it or, or find something that can explain it. Wow. That, now I'm kind of addicted to the podcast now because uh, I wanted to make sure that I had all my ducks in the row and I, and I was actually familiar with the content. So I, I was more used to listening to C-Web Sunday School, so I kind of binged listen to uh, Paranormal Skeptic Academy today and I, I really enjoyed it. And I went on... Uh, not to congratulate myself for, for this deed, but I went on iTunes and I gave you a five-star rating in, in a review. And I saw that the show already has five stars and that people are digging it. Yeah, and it, it so far, all the ratings have been five stars. There, There's not too many there. So if you're a listener and you, uh, Phil's podcast here and you're interested in it, go ahead and take a listen. Uh, ParanormalSkepticAcademy.com. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. And if you like it, leave a review. I really appreciate it. And Phil, I appreciate that uh, paid advertisement right there. <laughs> no problem, man. You might, you might want to edit that out. No. Nah. Oh, well, I, I don't know. Should I? <laughs> I didn't pay Phil anything. No. Yeah, that's true. Well, you did not pay me one red cent. We're just, uh, even though we never met in person, I like to think we're friends. We're like buddies and we are part of a, uh, a community. And um, I think we talked uh, before about how, just being a non-believer doesn't inoculate inoculate you against being an a-hole. And there are some non-believers out there who are full of themselves. And, but there's some good guys, too. And I think we just kind of gravitated towards, towards each other. And, uh, uh, like, I'm glad, uh, once again, that you extended a hand in friendship back in the early days. And I'm glad that we still shoot the shit. And, uh, you know, we share some laughs on... Uh, Twitter and um, hopefully you'll do an interview again with me and hopefully we won't be plagued by the glitches and, and I have an overactive uh, conscience and, and so for some reason I'm automatically assuming that the technical issues are my fault well we're using a free service called Skype uh, so we get what you pay That's for true. but yeah I you know it's it's funny how two people who've never met but share a common interest and come together like this and be able just to to talk i mean we we speak over twitter um but you know every once in a while we'll speak over a microphone and and we just get right into it there's no warm-up there's no anything we just jump right into it like we're friends from back in high school yeah because i think it's not only uh skepticism that we have in common we both kind of have a twisted uh, both have kind of a twisted sense of humor and i think uh similar personalities in certain ways but uh it's very cool um so I, I think you already, uh, I hate using the word plug because it sounds so kind of crude or self-serving, but I think you already listed the different ways people can find you and enjoy the podcast. Uh, was there any other stuff you wanted to uh, mention? Yeah, just uh, ParanormalSkepticAcademy.com is the website, CWeb619 on Twitter. Paranormal Skeptic Academy is on Facebook, uh, Stitcher, and iTunes. And also, if you want to get a video version of the podcast where you actually see the clips that you hear during the podcast, go to patreon.com slash PSA, Papa Sierra Alpha, and become a patron for as low as $2 an episode. And I only release one episode a month, so it's not going to break your bank. All right. Was that your military uh, background showing through? Yes, it is. Yes. (laughs) Yep, the phonetic alphabet. I know it well.
Nice. Um, so I think we made it like a whole six minutes without any type of uh, disconnection or technical glitch. So that's a small victory in itself. All right, brother. Good talking to you again. Yeah, talk to you later. Bye. Hi, this is Phil Albertelli again, the host of the Weekend Out Podcast. If you like this special interview episode, please consider donating as well as 99 cents via the PayPal widget at the official Weekend Out Podbean page at P-O-D-B-E-A-N, or look me up on Patreon. I'm too lazy to give you the exact address, but just look for Phil Albertelli. All right, thank you.